Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us wherever you are listening to us from, whatever platform you're listening to us on. I say it every episode and I'll say it every episode going forward. Your support, as always, is so greatly appreciated. Today's topic is one that either you as a listener have been in before, uh, someone on your staff may be there in the future, or in the future you yourself might end up in this sort of situation. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about how to succeed in a program that has little or no reputation. If you find yourself in that situation where you're in that program and maybe they don't have a lot of tradition, they don't have a lot of success, and you find yourself building and having to almost start from scratch in some ways, um, then this would be an episode that would be for you. And hopefully we're going to provide a lot of good insights and tips to kind of get things off the ground and running. So my guest today is one that has experience with that, and he is going to speak to his experience kind of building up a program that didn't have a lot of a reputation. We'll learn about his story. We'll learn about some tips that he has and some advice that he can give uh, to help you or somebody that you might know who's either in that situation now or might be in that situation in the future. So I'm very happy to be joined today by the head boys basketball coach at Park Place Christian Academy. My guest today is Coach Corey McKelvin. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm glad to be here. Excited to share. Absolutely. This is a, definitely a story and definitely some experiences that uh, th- there's a lot of listeners I know out there who are really going to benefit from this. So really excited to have you on. Uh, Coach, let's go ahead and get started with your basketball journey and your coaching journey. Where is the game and your coaching career taking you and what, what led you to uh, Park Place Christian? Yeah, uh, basketball's pretty much been in my life as long as I can remember. Um, my father played college basketball, and that's pretty much what my whole childhood was based around was basketball and sports. Um, I've lived in uh, Brandon, Mississippi my whole life pretty much, which is uh, just about 15 minutes outside of Jackson, um, and lived and coached in the area my entire life. Um, so I, uh, I started uh, at Byron Middle School, um, was there for one year, and uh, was very blessed um, to have an opportunity to go to a high school after that. Um, I was a uh, assistant at Richland High School after that. A, uh, a guy named Josh Dorman put my name in, who was my high school assistant, um, and was uh, really able to give me a good opportunity there. Um, there I coached, uh, I was the head middle school and the head junior varsity along with the assistant high school coach. So uh, plenty of uh, plenty of opportunity there, plenty of time spent. Mm. Um, and uh, I was there for three years. Um, and I've spent the last six years uh, here at Park Place Christian Academy. Um, growing up in the area, I pretty much knew about Park Place and watched it grow a little bit um, and was excited to uh, to take over and uh, have really enjoyed these past six years uh, growing uh, the program. 
Oh, that's that's awesome. And I appreciate you kind of sharing the journey. And uh, for the past six years, so at Park Place means that you have uh, had quite a bit of time to kind of reflect and think about where the program kind of started and uh, where it's kind of been the last six years, which I'm looking forward to getting into. Uh, the question I had before we get into our topic is, uh, it's a topical one. I, I'm curious about how your program is kind of looking to sort of navigate this upcoming season with everything going on with, you know, the COVID protocols and everything seems to be in flux all the time and schools kind of doing this balancing act. How are you and your staff planning on keeping your program focused and trying to minimize all of the uh, other craziness going out there as much as you can? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a really good question. I think that's a good question for, for any coach this year. Um, COVID was really tough on us last year. Um, I was very thankful to even have a season. Um, we were able to mostly have a, a regular season, but um, my team, uh, we lost about six weeks uh, during the season of practice and games to quarantine. Um, our school did a really good job of uh, keeping us safe. And if we had one that got it, we went home. And uh, they just wanted to make sure we had no issues. But, um, you know, six weeks in the middle of the season, you can imagine um, trying to keep guys in shape, how difficult that was. So, um, and we really didn't even get a summer last sum last uh, summer. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful and the guys are thankful. They really understand uh, that every practice and every game we have is a blessing. Um, so, so, so far this year, I really believe that's, uh, that's helped us work harder than, uh, than we ever have. Um, you know, I always preach, like a lot of coaches do, you need to play every game like it's your last. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's reality yeah. now, you know. Sure. Um, so it's, it's not too hard to preach that anymore. Um, I have a big group of seniors that know um, each practice and each game are important. So they really do a good job right now of helping keep the whole team focused. Um, but, you know, if we do have an issue like we do, like we did last year and we do have to go home, then uh, we have plenty of at-home workouts and plenty of film um, that, uh, that we know how to stay focused uh, at this point because of that. But, um, you know, we're, we're really optimistic this point um, just because we, we've had summer. Um, you know, we've actually yeah, got sure. Um, so, you know, right now, staying focused is probably less of an issue than it's even been in the past because of that. Yeah, I, it's really interesting what you said about that idea of, you know, playing every game like it's your last. And especially with this year, it's like, well, you never know when that could be. And, and I feel like that holds true more than ever and probably resonates with your players now more than ever because, Unfortunately, that is the reality. So ho hopefully we're uh, going to get that maximum effort every night. And as uh, other coaches have talked about before, you know, not taking any of this for granted, right? Making sure that we enjoy every moment that we have for sure. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So uh, you talked about how you've been uh, at Park Place Christian for the for the last six years. And, and our topic today is about succeeding in a program that doesn't have a lot of reputation, little to no reputation. So Let's kind of take it back from the beginning when you first inherited that program. Coach, can you talk about sort of what drew you to the school? What made you feel like you were going to be successful there? 
um, even if there wasn't much of a reputation there? What were some signs or some things that you saw that indicated to you that, you know, we could build something here and we could be successful? Yeah, um, well, like I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up in the area, so um, I kind of saw Park Place from the, from the ground up. Um, Park Place opened in 2000, so we're just 21 years old this year. Um, so brand new school, and they started um, kindergarten. And so the school didn't even have varsity athletics until, you know, in the last 12 to 15 years. Um, and so I saw uh, the first experience I had with Park Place was actually seeing my youngest brother play against them. Um, I helped a little bit um, with his team when I was still in college. Um, that was really my first coaching experience, um, was helping him, helping my father, and then um, helping Coach Dorman, who I mentioned earlier after that. And uh, I just kind of got to see Park Place from that ground floor. Um, what really drew me there was uh, the people the administration here. Um, I knew, I actually got a call from Park Place about two years before I took the job. Um, and the guy that called me was actually my high school football coach and athletic director. And he had taken the job as athletic director at the time. Um, and just because my tremendous respect for him, um, I interviewed and just, I, I almost took the job the first time. So work for him because of how much respect I had for him um but it, it wasn't it wasn't time at that point um and I received a call again two years later from the AD Jason Cook at the time who's now head of school um to ask me to come interview and he is someone I'd worked with at Richland and again someone someone I had a tremendous respect for um so that really drew me there I knew in other jobs that administration was a was a massive key into trying to build something and I really felt like at the time that um I could get off the ground with those guys behind me mm. that that was number one um and also I really felt like the program had so much potential for growth um we are a private school but okay. and we're within about 15 minutes of, uh, of three public schools, um, three 6A public schools. And there, there's a lot around us. You know, when you have schools that are that big around you, there's a lot of kids who may be looking for a change or just an opportunity that, that can really play. So that was, that was something. Yeah, true. And uh, the third thing that really uh, drew me, which – you know, it's kind of a random thing is I knew uh, the point guard here at the time. Um, he was, uh, his father was a family friend and I actually got to play in a three-on-three -three tournament with him. Um, they asked, they just needed the body and I got to see him play and realized um, that he cared a lot about it. And even if there was not a whole lot here besides him, I knew I knew that I could build around him. Um, so that was, you know, that was some of the uh, massive things that kind of got me there. Um, and, you know, I was a young, I, I'm still fairly young, but I was late 20s at the time. I, I really liked the opportunity or the thought to become a, a head coach. Um, 
you know, like we all do. We all want to see, we all think we're a little bit better than we are when we start. <laughs> right. And, you know, we get humbled pretty quick, <laughs> which happened to me a few times. But, you know, it, it was exciting um, for me to at least have that opportunity. Um, I'd also seen, I, I did a lot of research on the school, talked to a lot of people, and, uh, and found out, you know, this, this school, the middle school kids who were seniors at the time, um, went, when they were middle schoolers, had won uh, district championships a couple years. Okay. Um, now, when they were in high school, they had won very, very few games. Um, I think the three years before I got here, um, their win total for all three years was under five. Um, so I knew that there had to be some talent there um, from when they were in middle school. There had to be um, something there. So, uh, you know, I, I was excited for that as well. And um, ultimately, I, I really aligned with the school's mission um, of putting a Christian education first. And um, I knew that I would be able to coach and teach um, from that perspective and try to uh, try to win the guys' hearts as well as um, teach them how to play basketball. So I really felt like for me it was a it was a perfect match. And um, you know that's that's what ultimately led me there. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting that you kind of brought up that you know, you saw there, there was potential there. You talked about how there were, you know, there, there was talent there and there, there was some previous indicators that existed that made you think like, Hey, you know, like there is something there because I think, and, and you can speak to this sometimes that, you know, a coach or somebody taking over a program might just see like the win loss record and just see that and judge though, that there must be nothing here or the program must have, have nothing going for it. But it's kind of like if you look under the hood a little bit and you kind of ask around and poke around a little bit and get an idea of the area in the neighborhood, all of a sudden you realize that there's a lot more going on here and you have a lot more to work with. And it sounds like that was kind of the situation you found yourself in. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, really I, I found out kind of asking around that these, the seniors that I came in with my first year had had, um, I was their sixth head coach in six years. Oh, wow. Um, that, so, that's, that's tough. Yeah, and, and that was, you know, that, that kind of that told me everything I needed to know because even if you have a really good coach, it's hard to build anything in a year. Um, and a, that was for a lot of different reasons. They, Like I said, they were an up-and-coming school for a while, and they had had parents do it to start with. They had mm -hmm. had – a really good coach, I think, uh, their ninth grade year, one of the years they were successful, and he he had some heart trouble and had to leave. So, I mean, they had, they had just kind of had some bad, some really bad luck over the years with coaches. Um, so I knew if I could bring a little bit of stability, that would be, that'd be the first thing to kind of help us. I'm I'm curious about that that particular bunch just working with them because because we, we may have people listening who might be in that situation they're taking over a situation where there's you know a lot of turnover a lot of transition and and even if there are 
you know, good basketball minds in that program. Every coach kind of wants to do their own thing and has their own system that, <laughs> that they put in and maybe everything ends up changing year after year. Yeah. So when you were with that group, what, what did you feel like you had to uh, do in terms of coaching them on the floor to kind of, I don't know, in a way, get their head straight and kind of get them like, so that they weren't all over the place thinking about all the other things they may have done the previous six years. How did you kind of just get them in line or focused on, on what you wanted them to do? Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's something I thought about. It was, uh, <laughs> simple. Um, that first year, I just, uh, I, I just really wanted them to play as hard as they possibly could on the defensive end. Um, we, we pretty much just played man to man, um, to keep it as simple as we could. And I mean, I, I like, man, I would play, I'd play man all the time if I possibly could. Sure. Um, but really, really our goals as far as X's and O's were play as hard as you could on defense and get better there throughout the year, spend a lot of time there, um, teach them how to block out and then space the floor on offense. Um, really, I had a – at Richland, we had run some five-out principles with a lot of back cutting and um, – it, it kind of translated well for us here. Um, I put it, it, but we became more of a four out one in team. Um, but the whole goal was just to space and give enough space to drive. And that was, that was pretty simple our first year. Um, and that, that was kind of the whole goal was um, to give us space to score and then play hard. Mm. And, it sounds like from from what you're saying, you know, that that uh, that approach of being there in that first year and knowing what that situation is, you sort of had to take a step back and not really focus a lot on, you know, maybe all of the uh, intricate things you wanted to run and rather just sort of set something in place or just set some maybe cultural or um, effort type expectations and sort of establish that first and then was it a situation where as kind of the years kind of went on you got to your second and third year then you started to sort of build up to the more of the system type things that you wanted to run yeah that's exactly right and uh really it, it was good for me as well because mm -hmm. I've been under some really good head coaches but at that point I really wasn't sure exactly uh, what I loved on offense, like I said, I I love man, I love full court pressure, and I knew defensively what I wanted us to look like, ultimately. But offensively, I wasn't sure yet. I had some stuff that we had done, but I love uh, I love dribble drive, I love ball screen offense, and so on and so forth. So it it helped me grow just like it did them but you're exactly right you know I just came in and established you know hard work first and uh, you know every year I tell my kids okay I'm going to get better as a coach we're going to put in more um, I need you to get better as well um, but it my kids will tell you you know every summer I tell them okay I'm going to be tougher this year and we're going to be better uh, from my perspective as a coach um, so yeah, it, it was a good thing to start with for me. Yeah. And, and just to kind of wrap up that, that, that thought, that's like a really good exercise in, in, in patience and, and just, you know, stay in the course and what you believe. And I know that that's always for me been a challenge. If I, if I'm in a new position or in a new coaching position, I want everything to change exactly the way I want it to be overnight. But 
you can't can't quite do it that way to build something sustainable that's for sure um yeah so what were some things that you felt and we kind of touched on this a little but i'll go a little bit more more in depth with you but what are some things that you felt that you had to do um at your school at your program whether it was on the court or culturally culturally that you might not have had to do if you had inherited a more successful program? What are some of those things that, because there wasn't much of a reputation, I know we talked about the giving the effort, were there some other things that you really had to make sure that you kind of put in place that maybe you wouldn't have had to do if you were in a different situation? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of this is, you know, something that a, a big program, you know, it's just, it's natural for them. But the first thing I had to do was meet with the players and parents and just just talk to them about what a winning program really looked like. Um, they had never really practiced in the summer. They had had some open gyms. Um, so I had to kind of completely change that mindset. And, you know, I, I had to meet with the parents to make sure that they were even going to be bought in to changing. Um, when I first, the year before the varsity team only had six guys when they finished the season. Um, so, you know, if I had two or three guys that weren't willing to, to come to a summer program, I was going to be in trouble. Um, and I was able to get a few more guys out and bring some of the younger guys, seventh and eighth grade guys up um, to make sure we could do the things we wanted to do. But, you know, I had to establish everything from a summer weight program to a practice schedule to a camp schedule because it, it had really never been done before. And, you know, the kids were excited. They, they really, whenever I told them we were going to go to these different colleges and play in camps, like, it, it was just, it was really an excitement. So that was, that was a big part. Um, but I, I did really anything I could to build excitement. And, you know, that meant right when I walked in, the first, one of the first things I asked administration was, could I buy new practice jerseys? And, you know, not just mesh. I wanted the real deal. We got Under Armour practice jerseys about as nice as I could get. Um, we went into summer with nicer practice jerseys than most teams had game jerseys. And mm. you know, it was just about starting to establish, okay, we're going to be as good as we can be in every possible way. Um, you know, and, and that helped with buy-in. They knew that – I was going to do everything I could to make them look good and play well um, and, and just the things to help them enjoy the game. Um, but that first summer uh, at camp and at practice um, was really just building the kids up. Um, like I said earlier, the varsity team just had not experienced success uh, in the previous at least three years since I – before I came. Um, and so we were celebrating winning. Yeah, um, sure. I was, I was trying to get them up on the bench, cheering for each other. We were celebrating winning quarters and halves. Um, you know, forget about winning games in that summer. If I could get them to do exactly what I wanted to do for five minutes, we called time out and we would, you know, I'd praise them on the bench because I just wanted them to know what was right um, before I started getting on to them. Um, and really, I didn't care about mistakes that summer as long as they were making the mistakes going 
100 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, we turn the ball over. Yeah, we don't want turnovers. Nobody likes turnovers. But, you know, if they were trying to make the right pass, if they saw something that was good, then that was fine. Um, they just needed to run back and not give up a layup on defense. Um, so I, I just had to show them, you know, to start with that that I cared and that I was committed to them um, before before I started really getting after them and and coaching them really hard. Um, well, I, I'm thinking that something unique in your situation was almost that you had to just kind of show your players that you were just going to last more than a year for some of them, that you were even going to be around first. That was like, I feel like almost like a big hurdle you had to get through first to show you were going to come back. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's funny because that's, that's kind of where I was about to go. It, yeah. Those first two years, I can't tell you how many times I had a parent or a player ask me if I was going to stay. Um, I mean, I can't count them, you know, and even into year three, I had people asking me if I was going to stay um, just because it had been, they had had so much turnover. Um, so I, I think, you know, after that first year, especially just the fact that I was here in year two, that I was working with them in the summertime like that, that right there was, um, was just huge for, for them. And it, it helped them, you know, they didn't really believe me if I, if I was going to yeah, be sure. a year. And, you know, who could blame them? <laughs> but, you know, I, I had a, actually had a big group of seniors my first year here. I think we ended up with about nine varsity guys, which is 10 12 for us. Um, and I brought some, some younger guys up. But, you know, I, I remember sitting down with, the, with that senior class and, you know, how they talked bad about um, some of the previous guys and they talked bad about themselves even sometimes. And I, I, I remember having sitting down and having a conversation with all of them and say, okay, you've been done wrong. It's not your fault, but you've got to forget about it and we just got to go and play. And I told them from that point on, I didn't want to hear it anymore. I didn't want to hear it. Um, the conversation was a little bit longer than that. Yeah. But at that point, that first year, I think that really helped us kind of start to turn a corner um, and get to the point of being able to win games that first year. Um, because even that first season, um, you know, we did not win a district game during the regular season, but we were able to go into the district tournament and knock off the number three seed and actually got to the playoffs that year. Um, you know, just finishing out the year strong. Mm -hmm. And it was there. You know, I had some kids that, that were not bad players, but they just had to believe in each other and start believing in themselves that, that they were capable. And, you know, I, I always told them, I still say this to some of my, some of my guys, you know, basketball is unique. Um, at least in our state, you know, what you do during, during the regular season is great, but ultimately all that matters is those last two or three weeks, <laughs> February. Um, so that, you know, that kind of helped me through that first season to keep them engaged and keep, keep, uh, keep their minds in it. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah, we just, you know, that's first, that first year, those first two years, we just had to learn how to win. Um, 
you know, we lost a lot of close games because we would be up and a team would make a run and we would just duck our head and say, okay, yeah, happen again, you know, here we go again, sort of thing. Yeah. Oh man, that's exactly right. That's you hit, you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, but you know, I, I just kept, I kept preaching to them, you know, you're capable, you know, you, you, you're going to be fine. You got to guard. We can beat these teams. And, you know, we, we ultimately were able to, like I said, um, with that, with that game, you know, in our district, there were six teams. So we were six um, playing the three seed to start with. And uh, they had beat us pretty good twice during that first season. But, you know, when the light switched on and we realized that we could play, you know, we ended up beating them 15 points in the district tournament. Um, and it was there, you know, you just sometimes, you know, when kids, when you come into a program like this or like it was when I first got here, you know, kids just don't believe that they can win. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I 100% agree. <laughs> it's, it's hard, I think, and just because I'm speaking a little bit for experience that I've had on my own, I, I think that losing can just become part of the the normal expectation to the point where like winning is, is almost, at least in my experience, and you could probably speak to it too, like winning just seems like some almost like mythical like thing that other schools do and we don't really do that. And, you know, we'll play, but you know, we'll probably just lose and whatever it is, what it is. And you really have to, yeah. really have to kind of change that to where, and I, I'm just speaking on my experience where almost, I've been in situations where losing was just kind of like the accepted outcome and it just sort of is what it is. And I was like, I can't, I can't handle that. And I'm sure somebody who's probably competitive as yourself probably couldn't handle much of that either. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, um, you know, being a little bit younger, I, I still, I've stopped a little bit, but I still love playing with the guys. I, I tell them if I could, I'd play with them every day, but you know, I spent a lot of, I spent a lot of time those first couple of years playing with them um, and just telling them, you know, while we were playing, I said, I'm going to win. Yeah, you're going to have <laughs> to decide, you know, I, you're going to have to decide you're going to beat me and you're going to have to outwork me to win. And, you know, I'm I'm only about 5'10", and I'm, I've gained a lot of weight since uh, <laughs> since high school. So, you know, I don't move great. But, um, you know, I just wanted them to get that mindset of, okay, I, when you go on the court, you got to decide you're going to win. And, you know, now I have kids that tell me, they said, you can't beat me, coach. Let's go play one-on-one. You can't beat me. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are probably right now. Um, <laughs> I try not to get out there too often. Uh, I mean, that, that is a good way to build a competitiveness if your program's kind of used to, to losing is, is have you come at them personally. They don't want to lose to you. They, they, no, they won't exactly handle right. that well. <laughs> Uh, you touched on this uh, about your defensive philosophy and, and, and why that helped. And I think that's something that a lot of coaches are um, always kind of concerned about when they take over that program uh, with, that might not have a lot of, of reputation and might not have a lot of tradition is trying to figure out, at least on the court for those first couple years, what gets the most bang for your buck and what can we implement or what can we run that maybe won't be the most refined or maybe won't be exactly what I prefer to do, but at least we'll get them better than where they were before. You talked a little bit about man-to-man defense. Were there other things or things on the offensive end that you've found kind of like maximized 
uh, where they were at and, and where they were and allowed them to also have some success at the same time? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I really thought a lot about it whenever I came here. Like I said uh, a couple times, I love man. Uh, yeah. I thought about dropping into a, a two, three zone. Um, I just, I just can't, I can't stand uh, not having pressure on the ball. And uh, so for me, it just, I wasn't going to be able to coach it and coach it well enough to do that. Um, now I experimented with a little bit of one, three, one, uh, mm -hmm. half um, that, that was good uh, for us kind of changing uh, rhythm of the offense. Um, and, you know, we've, we've run some zone presses. I, I like zone presses. Uh, even now uh, with the, with the group I have, we want, we run a uh, one, two, two uh, full court um, or kind of three quarter court zone press. Um, and I, I like that a lot, but yeah, I mean, we, we, really, we tried a lot that first year, pretty much everything besides a two, three, um, I used to tell my kids, I, I hate a two, three. Now I've, uh, I've seen guys coach it and play it and they're unbelievable. But for me, I just, I'm not a good two, three zone coach. Um, but yeah, we, um, defensively, we, we did pretty much everything else. Um, and offensively, uh, when I first came in, um, my point guard was uh, was pretty good sized kid and uh, big strong kid. So you know, spreading it out, we ran a lot of uh, high pick and roll with him and our post and our post player who was also a pretty good sized kid. Um, and that that really helped us score a lot in the beginning. Was just kind of clearing it out for those two because they were both um, what I'd call football bodies. Yeah. Um, tall, both of them were tall football bodies. And having, you know, two kids like that, you know, you can score a little bit that way. Um, but uh, we kind of morphed into over the years, um, and even in the beginning, trying to run um, a ball screen offense for our two better ball handlers most of the time, just because I didn't have, uh, I usually didn't have more than two. Um, right there in the beginning. So um, I kind of I kind of took what Gonzaga does with their ball screen offense and and meshed it with um, with some other stuff that I liked and really tried to just keep the ball for the most part in two in two kids hands and have the other guys um, be ready to shoot the ball or be ready to roll and score easy baskets. Um, and how did you find that that transition was for them for them to do that? Was that something that you thought that they kind of picked up on pretty well? Was there some certain things that you thought that you had to end up teaching that uh, that you maybe didn't think you were going to have to, but you had to spend more time on? Yeah, yeah, I had to. Uh, I didn't realize um, how much time I was going to have to spend just on screening angles um, and reading screens. Um, that was probably, you know, I knew I was going to have to teach it. But mm. still today, we spend a lot of time on screen angles because um, I didn't realize um, how much time that would take. And just, you know, playing the game a lot of times when kids play a lot, they can see those things better, see the right passes. Um, 
but you know they just didn't play a lot outside of practice those first couple years so pretty much anything that they needed to know I need to make I needed to make sure to break it down and to teach all the aspects the footwork um you know this guy can't catch a bounce pass very well you got to throw it high or not throw it at all um you know every everything like that I really just had to uh I really just had to act like offensively they didn't know anything and you know over the years as we've run the same things you know I don't have to go over things as much they see stuff now that they didn't in the beginning and um you know they understand angles and what we want from certain actions um but yeah in the beginning I just I just had to make sure that um they knew exactly what I wanted and you know even then I just they're still they still wanted to drive a lot into yeah, yeah. Uh, into lanes that weren't <laughs> open yeah uh, so you know we just had to make sure that the backside guy was crashing and uh you know if they did they got a lot of loose boards and you know that was a good way to score yeah um it's interesting that that you kind of bring up the the idea about like the the screening angles and and I feel like a lot of coaches who I've spoken to kind of mention that as something that comes up over and over again even if it's experienced players even if you're just starting like things like that um seem to be something that can can trip players up so it's just interesting that you brought that up as well um it seems like it's something that's occurring all over the place for sure yeah yeah definitely so um so uh, I want to, we've touched on this a little bit. Um, I just want to ask explicitly just about the idea of like culture. It's a, such a, I don't know, almost like a loaded term. It means so much to so, yeah. to so many other people. But uh, we talked a little bit about like the parent meetings and you talked about just the fact that you're going to show up, you know, one a year, two year three and actually be there. But if you think about now about the culture that you've helped establish and you and your staff have established at Park Place, what is that culture kind of look like now for your program what was the other foundational pieces you and your staff put into now you have the culture hopefully that it is that you want what what kind of went into building that yeah yeah um it's something like you said it's a loaded term and you know I listen to a to a good many podcasts and do a lot of research and uh you know I've spoken to a lot of coaches about it but um it's, it's definitely evolved every single year. Um, it's something I spent a lot of time with. Um, but, you know, to start with, when I first came in, our, our main goals for culture were just to play hard, to be at practice, and to enjoy the game. Um, that's how it started. Um, you know, but now over the years, it's, it's kind of come into, you know, you are not late for practice ever. Uh, you don't miss practice. You play, you know, hard work is still um, the number one thing we talk about. Um, and, you know, you just, you don't make excuses about those things. Um, you know, for for us, uh, kind of a funny story how I got started, but hard work, I, I had to really show them what that meant. Um, and we have, so we actually have a gym on campus with no bleachers. Um, and then we have a gym off of campus that we rent to play uh, games in. Um, and that gym that we rent is not air conditioned. And okay. uh, 
in the summertime here in Mississippi, it's you know 100 degrees and the humidity is unbelievable. So, you know, that's where we practice in the summer a lot of times just to create that effort. But um, the very first day I was ever there, we did a, a diving, diving for a loose ball drill. You know, throw it out. You got to go get two loose balls. You got to dive on the floor, get two loose balls. And, you know, the first, I, I wasn't very bright at that point. And the first thing I was like, okay, this is what it looks like. I threw two balls and I went and dove twice and got two good strawberries and said, okay, that's what you're going to do for me. And, you know, I got my point across, but um, <laughs> probably not <laughs> would start at this point if I was to do it over again. Yeah. You know, so that that had to be something we we started with. But um, this year, you know, you hear another loaded term that's non-negotiables, you know, and um, this uh, yeah. really, uh, really are non-negotiables are um, a lot on the defensive and the rebounding side. Um you know, you you can't get beat defensively, and you've got to play to your maximum effort. Um, and uh, you know, rebounding wise, we've actually we've actually started tagging up um, and sending five to the offensive glass now. Um, so for us, rebounding has become huge, and those are you know those are two major uh, non-negotiables for us um, now. But um. This year, our, our, I kind of developed uh, new this year, our four program cornerstones. Um, and those are uh, number one's hard work. I, I've said that many times. Um, secondly is joy. Mm. Uh, third is selflessness. And the fourth is glorifying Christ. And those first three kind of lead to the fourth. Um, but I would say this to coaches, and this is something that I think I did a good job with my first two years and kind of lost it for a couple years and then realized last year how important it was is um, joy. Um, for us, that's it's, – it's been massive for us. I had a group last year that just loved playing, and um, it kind of reminded me that it's my job to make it fun um, you know, I've got to hold my ground and I've got to be tough. You know, my, my assistant tells me all the time, he said, you got to be tougher on them. You got to be tougher on them. And, you know, he tells me this year I'm doing a little bit better job. He's a, he's a pretty hard nosed guy, but it's, it's good. He keeps me on task, but, um, you know, they need to enjoy playing. So they will sure outside of school, number one. And so they practice on their own. Um, and you know, if they, if they love playing, it's not, so, it's not so difficult on me to make them work hard. They want to play the game. Um, and that's something I feel like we've really established here is, you know, we're going to do things correctly. We're going to do them right. We're going to be the best we can in what we do, but you got to enjoy yourself. You got to have fun while you're doing it. And, uh, you know, that goes from the best player on the floor to the last guy on the bench. You know, they, they need to be having just as much fun um, as starters. Um, so, you know, I, like I said, I, I believe um, it's – we need to be the best we possibly can be in any way. 
Um, you know, what that means, you know, for us, and this, this helps with buy-in, like I mentioned earlier, that could be new equipment. Uh, that could be, you know, which, which that's been, we do a lot of fundraisers. My parents are phenomenal. Um, and, you know, since I've been here, we've been able to get a Vertimax. Uh, this past year, we bought a brand new Dr. Dish uh, with the nice touch screen. The guys really like that. But, you know, it just that stuff helps so much with buy-in. And I can say, look, we have the best stuff I can get you. <laughs> and, you know, so you've got to be the best. I'm going to get you the best as much as I can. So you have to ultimately um, act that out and you've got to play your part. Um, yeah, so that's 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 like showing i'm just thinking that's like showing a literal investment in your players right there it's a tangible literal investment that i'm putting into this program into you as a player yeah that's exactly right and you know you have to you can't do that on your own you've got to have a community around mm -hmm. you to do that um and like i said my parents have been you know they've been extreme supporters of me and i could not have established what i've established without them um behind me yeah, absolutely. It's the whole mantra that takes a village for sure. And something you brought up too, um, that I think is is something to consider for coaches who might be in the situation that, that, that you were in, is that your players' love for the game might be different if they haven't had a lot of success and if they and if you know things get tough for them that as you talked about the idea of joy and, and the idea of them enjoying what they do, that um they might not have that same amount of joy if they've just been getting pounded on all their high school career and, yeah, and maybe right. they still like playing, but it isn't exactly that same like level of joy that you talked about that they would get if they start seeing a coach invest in them or they start seeing some success on the floor. Yeah, and that's right. And, you know, as being that we're a little bit smaller school, um, you know, you, you have athletes playing multiple sports and, yeah. you know, best athletes are football or baseball, or whatever it may be. And, you know, you're, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm glad they play, you know, I have some really good multi-sport athletes on, on the team, but you've got to, you know, make sure they're putting in the time um, with your, with, with basketball uh, even during the summertime or even during football season, you know, I have some guys that I just tell, I ask them at least once a week, are you shooting the ball? Um, you know, the, the quarterback, the left tackle, the wide receiver, the running back, all those guys play basketball and they're major parts of the football team. But, you know, they know I'm going to ask them if they're shooting the ball. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they, they make sure to get a few shots up so they can tell me, they can give me the answer I want to hear. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. There's, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll keep tabs on them. You'll make sure that uh, basketball isn't going too far from their mind. That's, That's right. I, I like that. Uh, you've talked about a couple of times, you, you, you brought it up uh, just a little bit ago, well, about the importance of uh, parents and, and the people in the community in order to kind of establish what you wanted to. And I think that that's always a big uh, objective for a lot of coaches who come in looking to try and take over a new program is making sure the parents and the community are 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 on board and invested as well. Um, what what was that like when you when you took over? What were those conversations like with your parents in the community? How did they 
warm up to you or how did you get them on the same page where they knew that you were working together for, for the same goal to try and make the program a better one? Yeah, well, it helped. You know, I talked about earlier knowing uh, the point guard's father, yeah. father coming in. So he really – he spoke well for me, um, and that was that was big. Um, you know, that was that's something that probably a lot of coaches don't have when they come in. Um, but, you know, I just – just like the kids, I had to show that I was going to invest my time into them. Sure. Um, you know, parents love their kids. If you show that you love the kids and you're willing to invest, then, um, you know, they'll, they'll get behind you. And at that point, you know, every what, what also helped is pretty much everybody on the team was getting to play some in games. So that, that was also another blessing is, you know, you didn't have that kid that was not getting playing time whose parent thought maybe they should be getting playing time. Everybody was getting an opportunity and, and that really helped. Um, and, and it helped, you know, I coached seven through 12 uh, when I first walked in the door. So that was three different teams. And, you know, me showing that I cared about the older kids, but was also willing to invest a lot of time in the younger guys, um, just got those younger parents bought in. And, uh, you know, those are the parents that are with me in high school now. Um, you know, but I, I just had to show I cared about their kids, really. And um, same thing with the with the community, with the administration. They just had to know they wanted to see that I aligned with their goals. And when they knew I did, they were behind me. Yeah. And sometimes I think as coaches, we might get really wrapped up in all of these things that we want to make sure our parents know and, and and maybe work ourselves up a little bit in these conversations but you know for especially in the situation you described with how many years of turnover you've had you just maybe can keep it simple and just genuinely show you care because you really can't fake that and, and that was probably something that you were able to convey and I'm sure they were able to recognize that right away that you were being genuine and following through on things and sometimes uh, that, that's kind of all it takes and you don't necessarily have to go over your offensive or defensive or schemes yeah. or your game plans or anything like that you can just show who you are as a person. Yeah that's right that was that was really it for them as they they wanted to know I was going to give the kids all I had. Yeah and with your coaching staff, when you when you first came over, was this was it a brand new overhaul? Were there people that were already in place? What what was that like with the the staff that was there your first couple of years? Well, that that first year, I took seven through twelve over by myself. Uh, I did not have an assistant. Um, I came in and we we had a um, we had all three teams, and it, it was me. I um. I coached, I coached a lot, uh, spent a lot of hours there. I pulled my father as much as I could to help me, and he was a massive help. Um, but, yeah, it was, I guess you can say it was a complete change because I was it. And, um, you know, after that, that second year, I got an assistant to help me. And, um, you know, we've, we've grown a little bit. I've, I've had some players help me out over the years. Um, but um, for the most part, um, it's been me and one other guy um, or different, different guys throughout the year. But for the most part, it's just two of us um, with all of that. So, um, yeah, I guess it was a complete overhaul if you look at it that way. 
Yeah. And I think in, in some ways that that presents a pretty nice situation and that you kind of just can build things kind of the way that you want to. And, and it's, there's, there's not a lot of discourse necessarily about like, this is how we used to do things or have a lot of other coaches who might have, you know, a lot of um, other ideas of how things might've gone in the past that they want to keep going. And I think there is certainly uh, a time and a place for that, but it sounds like in your situation, you knew that you were kind of starting pretty much like right where you wanted to be. And it was just kind of your show and creating it the way that you yeah. wanted to. Yeah, and I really I was excited for it to just be me. Um, now I love having an assistant. I would take as many of them as they want. <laughs> but at th that first year, uh, you know, I, I was still I was figuring out how to be a head coach, and I didn't want yeah. to. Have to um, I really didn't want to have to fight with anybody else over this is the way we're going to do things. I just wanted to do it my way and be able to figure it out. But um, like I said, I would. I would take many assistants right now because they have been the guys over the years have been extremely valuable to me. Yeah, no, that, that, that's excellent. And yeah, once you really have that established and people know it, what you're about, man, the, the more assistants, the better, you know, bring, bring them the more, the more you <laughs> got right. to work with these kids. Absolutely. That's funny. And then uh, before you hit our, our concluding segment, um, something I'm curious now is, is as you look at, where your program is is right now um what do you see in still in your program what are some things that you see in your program that you know um because of what you did that first couple years it's almost like a tree that's being grown because of the seeds that you planted in those first couple years what what do you where, where's your program at right now what do you see right now for your program and the future of your program and how much of that do you credit to what was established those first couple of years you took over yeah um well you know we've, we've talked a lot about I guess kind of the the rough parts of the program but um so I'm going into year six and you know, year one through five, we've actually never missed the playoffs since I've been here. Um, yeah, awesome. We've been able to, like I said, that first year, we didn't win very many games. And even that second year, we didn't win a ton of games, but we were able to win when it mattered. Um, and last year, we kind we really kind of got over the hump and made it to the, the state tournament. Um, I was starting four underclassmen at that point, so I bring back – uh, most of my team from last year. So we're, we're really, really excited about making a run this year um, and kind of getting to the point where, you know, I've been preaching, you know, compete for a state championship since I got here. You know, that's that's been something I've, I've talked to. The seniors were seventh graders when I got here. So that was that's something I've preached to them. I've talked to them about since I walked in the door is building towards that. So it's really – it's exciting to see um, – to see that kind of come to fruition and us have an opportunity um, at least to be there. But, you know, I think uh, really, really establishing myself with that middle school team with those, those young guys um, has made all the difference in the world. Um, I had a big seventh grade group, a big eighth grade group who just graduated, um, you know, this past year. Mm -hmm. but, um, I really tried to spend a lot of time with. We got, as best we could, we got AAU teams together. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of open gym time with those guys. And uh, those parents have really bought in. And I think that's uh, 
that's really help, uh, helped us to this point. Um, but now that's more, it's not necessarily something that I have to do. Now I've, you know, parents are seeing um, and kids are seeing these older guys and what it really looks like. And, you know, I was able to take my, my JV team and watch my varsity this summer compete against some really good schools and say, okay, now this is what they did. This is what it looks like. And they're kind of able to tell the guys and show the guys what, what it's really going to take to be successful. And I, I think that's bigger than anything is, um, you know, the kids seeing it and hearing it from other kids. Um, you know, I, I have some senior leadership this year um, that, that lives out uh, what they should be living out every day and works hard every day, um, you know, to ask me to get here early and shoot the ball. I mean, that's kind of just the way it is now. Um, these younger guys, these sophomores and uh, into the younger grades, they don't know any different because since they came into the program, that's just the way it's been. Yeah, that's that's nice <laughs> to be. At yeah, I mean, it's, you know, really, we've seen a lot. We've seen a, a really big change last year and this year with that is now, you know, I don't have to tell parents, you know, we're not going to miss practice. I don't have to tell kids we're not going to be late or, you know, we're going to go to camp. Like they just know, um, you know, and it's there's no excuses. You know, I was able to come in this past year before tryouts and say, okay, this is what our schedule looks like. If you're mm -hmm. going to, you don't need to try out. And I wouldn't have dared to do that. My <laughs> here, I wouldn't have had a team. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how much it's, it's changed. But, you know, what I would tell anybody that's coming to a situation like this is even if you're a varsity coach, just nine through 12 or 10 through 12 or whatever it may be, you need to establish yourself in your middle school and even into your elementary and, you know, I'm trying to do a better job with the elementary side myself. I haven't done a great job with that, but, um, you know, you can get better every year. And, uh, you know, establishing yourself in that middle school, I think, makes a bigger difference long term than anything else you can really do. Mm. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. Coach, to wrap up, there's a couple of questions that I ask every guest. I'm going to go ahead and get started with this first one. Thinking back on your coaching career, what is a coaching moment of yours that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Uh, well, I, I got a couple. Um, I would really say um, don't let your low moments or your, your losses uh, kill your drive. Um, for me, you know, I've had some low moments here um, in the program. Um, you know, probably – uh, one of my most frustrating moments came in my second year when I thought I was a pretty good coach and we made it to to the playoffs and a veteran coach made me look stupid. Um, you know, his his players were not necessarily that much better than mine, but he was just a better coach. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to happen to anybody that's a young coach. That's, I think that's going to happen. But, you know, I would say um, take that and uh, and learn from it. Um, you know, and let it drive you because for me, um, that moment and um, I actually had a uh, I had a one of my top players transfer out um, going into his senior year while I was here as well. And it, it, that's another one of those things that made me step back 
Um, but, you know, I, I kind of just decided, okay, you know, with both those moments, I needed to get better, um, yeah. you know, and I needed to dig in. Um, you know, one time it was I needed to go to more clinics. I needed to talk to more coaches. The other time it was actually I, I ended up turning to podcasts um, more than anything else. And I, I'm telling you, I've learned more just listening to podcasts than I think I have doing anything else. It's, it's been amazing what you can pick up. You know, in a 50-minute segment, you may only get one thing, but that one thing, you know, over the course of 10 or 15 podcasts, that that changes you as a coach. Um, so, you know, I really encourage especially young coaches to let your, let your negative moments kind of drive you um, because those two moments have probably made me a better coach than anything else in my whole career. Sounds like uh, that old adage about get bitter or get better. I, 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 that, that sounds like that moment perfectly encapsulates it. And I, I think that as a young coach, like especially if you're kind of new to the program or even if you're just new to coaching, like you almost have to accept that you're going to get out coached. And in a way, like you probably should get out coached too. And But it's kind of the way that you respond to it for sure and grow from it. Um, I think that that's a really good piece of advice there. And then finally, Coach, to wrap up, I give every guest what I call a 60-second soapbox. Uh, it's your platform to get out your final message, closing thought, a closing idea, something that you just want to leave the listeners with. So I'm going to turn over the floor to you, and you can take it away from here. All right, sounds good. Um, I thought about this uh, a good bit, um, but I think as a coach, one of the most important things you need is a, a strong support system, especially a young coach. Um, I talked about not just having it myself really the first couple of years. So my support system came from outside of my basketball staff. Um, you know, for me, it starts at home with my wife. She is probably my most honest person. Um, and she pushes me really hard um, to be as good as I possibly be, can be. And she also helps me turn it off because um, as a coach, you know, it's hard to turn it off at times. But um I'd say this as well. You need some coaching friends that help you understand the daily grind. And, um, you know, I have a few really good buddies here at Park Place that actually, you know, a bunch of them coach different sports. And uh, they listen to me when I need to vent, which is, you know, can be often at times. And they tell me when I suck when it's time for that too. Um, so, um, you know, I think for us at the school, it's – you know, I can change my program's culture, but ultimately the school culture changing is going to make us uh, better. Um, so, you know, you need guys like that that are balled in with you and uh, can help you build culture for the whole school. And uh, those people make every day enjoyable. So, you know, that's that's probably the best advice I could give to anybody, especially young folks um, that are starting out. Yeah, that, that's excellent. I really like the idea of just having that support system and having those, those coaches that you can bounce ideas off to or vent to or just get that perspective from. That's, that's very, very helpful and something that's definitely helped me a, a lot along the way. Uh, this is great. And uh, Coach McAlvin, I want to thank you for spending some time uh, talking about the journey, talking about building up that program from where it was to where it's going right now, even with COVID and everything else going on that you're still 
maintaining the course and everything. So thank you for sharing that. Um, wish you continued success and, and nothing but the best going forward. So good luck this year, coach. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. As have I. And thank you all for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We will see you guys. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.